0: Let's get it. Monday, January 27th, 2020, Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important offices and resources for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. I always still want to say, I know we're doing it Monday now. I still want to say Wednesday. Hopefully, as the year goes on, that 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 changes. Hope you had a good week outside of podcast land. Uh, I know me and my father in law did. You know him and I love to go to war films together. So I took him to go see a film that featured the deeds of Medal Honor recipient and Air Force Pararescueman William H. Pittsenbarger, who was our Veteran of the Week last week. Uh, man, my father in law he he loves that stuff. Eats it up. So last week I said that there might be a bonus episode coming out since the one episode that was scheduled to release needed a little bit more TLC. Yeah, this is not that episode either. I'm not going to go too deep as to why uh, we haven't aired that episode yet, that interview yet. But all I can tell you is that I'm extremely disappointed that I cannot bring you this amazing story at this time. Sometimes Sometimes stuff like this happens and you can't control it and it's extremely frustrating on my end, but hopefully I can work all this out so it doesn't happen in the future. And maybe in the future, I can even make that, this episode that we can't air right now a bonus episode in the future. And trust me, if I'm able to drop it, you'll know. For those that do rate and review the show, thank you. Uh, got a rating or two this week and one new review. This comes from Tim Thorne, five stars. Thank you. A great way to learn about the veterans experience. For 2020, my goal related to podcasts involved listening to uplifting stories to understand possibilities. Born the Battle impressed me with a highly inspirational slate of stories spanning all generations of veterans. The panels were probably my favorite to listen to the discourse as it showed all the veterans share so much and we are not just our different eras. Additionally, the VA news segments provided me with some much needed refresher on services while introducing some other tidbits I simply did not know. If you are looking for more info about veterans, wish to hear about our lives, or hope to gain knowledge about what the VA and partnering entities may offer, subscribe to Born the Battle. Tim Thorne, thank you, and thank you for your feedback I, on I think what was episode 177's panel, and I'll definitely look to do more of those. Overall, we're up to 170 combined ratings and reviews, which is incredible. Thank you, and as a reminder, the more that you rate and review this show, the more of you that rate and review this show, the higher up we will be in the iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio algorithms, which means more veterans will be able to hear not only the interviews that we cover on their fellow brothers and sisters, but be able to take advantage of the information provided in the news releases and in the benefits breakdowns episodes. So rate and review the show helps your brothers and sisters. Speaking of news releases, we have two this week. First one says, for immediate release, VA announces proposed rule regarding equal treatment of faith-based organizations and VA-supported social service programs. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs proposed a rule January 16th that would implement President Trump's May 3rd, 2018 executive order establishing a White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative to remove regulatory barriers allowing religious and non-religious organizations equal treatment in VA-supported social service programs. The proposed rule ensures VA-supported social service programs are implemented in a manner consistent with the Constitution and other applicable federal law. Under current regulations governing these programs, religious providers of social services, but not other providers of social services, must make referrals under certain circumstances and must post notices regarding this referral procedure. VA's proposed rule would eliminate religious providers from this requirement. Additionally, the proposed rule will clarify that religious organizations may apply for awards on the same basis as any other organization and that when VA selects award recipients, VA will not discriminate based on an organization's religious character. The proposed rule further clarifies that religious organizations participating in VA-supported social service programs retain their independence from the government and may continue to carry out their missions consistent with religious pre- consistent with religious freedom protections in federal law under the 1st Amendment. For more information on VA's Center of Faith and Opportunity Initiative, we did a full benefits breakdown episode with them on episode 154. Check that out and look them up at va.gov forward slash CFBN partnerships. That's all one word. All right. and The second one says, for immediate release, VA makes progress on resolution of legacy appeals. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Veterans Benefits Administration Appeals Management Office, wow, what a mouthful, significantly reduced disability compensation legacy appeals inventory during the last nine months as part of the department's long-term legacy resolution plan. This inventory includes notices of disagreement and substantive appeals filed in the legacy system. VBA lowered this inventory from a high of over 292,000 in March of 2016 to just over 96,000 on December 31st, 2019, despite receiving over 770,000 new notice of disagreements and substantive appeals during that period. The Veteran Benefits Administration is on track to eliminate its legacy appeals inventory by July 4th of this year. Information on the VA appeals process can be found at benefits.va.gov forward slash benefits forward slash appeals dot A S P. All right. So last week we had some of the meritorious segments from some of the veteran interviews that we had in 2019 this week. We're going to dig into some of the benefits breakdowns from 2019. You're going to hear some cliff notes from the VA home loan, the center of faith, the assistive technology program, vet centers, appeals modernization part one, because part D is coming. And finally, from the diabetes training and self-management programs. Enjoy. What are some of the eligibility requirements for the home loan process? You hear a lot of myths, you know, you gotta have uh, honorable service or you gotta be, you gotta have this many years of service. What are some of the eligibility requirements to, um, to qualify for the home loan program?
1: The two requirements are length of service and character of discharge. Okay. Now, depends on when you serve. There are you know different length of service requirements, but overall, um, ninety days in most in some instances, with character of discharge honorable, general under honorable conditions, and specifically if you serve in the
0: oh, so not just honorable. You can be you can have an OTH or, or a general discharge.
1: We encourage everyone to submit an application. Gotcha, gotcha. And if one has an OTH, it's possible they may have some honorable service. Sure. So we certainly encourage everyone to submit an application so we can process it and make a determination. And I was going to also add about the Reserves National Guard. Um, That time of service definitely requires honorable discharge. Okay.
0: Very well. What are some other good things to to, to do before you look at uh, putting in your first offer before you look at even getting a realtor a real estate professional like what are what are some of the things that you need to get what ducks do you need in what in the row that you need to have ready for to
2: start buying a home education you know we as a is a country we'll we'll spend an inordinate amount of time some weeks in some cases planning our next vacation right um we'll we'll spend uh many hours researching the next large screen TV that we're going <laughs> to we're going to buy yeah and you know the, the I want the 8K you know it,
3: yeah. exactly yeah. And, yeah. and
2: we'll we'll actually take the time to to go into the uh brick and mortar stores and and check check and, out everything about it and then uh, get back home, go online and, and order it online. But the, the point is, the point is, is that we spend a lot of time on comparatively an investment that is much less by magnitudes sure. of a, the home. And for some reason, uh, we, we don't believe that it's I don't know, necessary to do it. Maybe maybe we're we're scared of the process. We're scared of the unknown. But I'll tell you there there is just a ton a ton of information, and I know later on um, we'll we'll talk about it. But a ton of online online resources, and it's to our detriment. I believe cool. that we we don't spend the ample time studying and educating ourselves. A couple of things that I would like to add. One is that. I think it's important to let the audience know in a nutshell what the mission of the Loan Guarantee Service is, and that is to help veterans obtain, retain, and for the seriously disabled, adapt their homes. So going back to the benefits, you know, we we talked about no down payment. Um, we, we talked about negotiable interest rates, but one benefit that um, is not really thought of until it's really needed is that VA provides assistance to veterans working through the servicers for veterans that experience a temporary period of financial difficulty. And that gets to the retain portion. Remember, it's obtain, retain. In other words, keep the veterans in the home and adapt to the homes for the seriously disabled. So there are mechanisms in place to help veterans retain their homes. And I guess the other point that I would like to hammer home is the need to, to educate yourself on the home buying process. And I would just like to, to throw out, um, uh, one website and it'll be Absolutely. easy, easy for the, the audience to remember. And it is, um, for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, that's a federal bureau. Okay. And you could get to their site by just going into CFPB, Charlie Foxtrot Papa Bravo, dot gov. And once you're there, they, they have a, a search engine that you'll see it. Everybody here is very familiar with it. And there are two different locations that I would like you to go to or two different um, fields to type in the search. One is, one is understanding the mortgage process. So again, understanding the mortgage process. And there you will find a link for the home loan toolkit. And the other is Three tools to help your home buying process. And and I tell you, there is just a wealth of information on that site. So, again, it is CFPB.gov. And the two different things to type into that search are understanding the mortgage process. And two, three tools to help your home buying process. Very good. Very good.
1: Um just like to add that there's no prepayment penalty. If one should pay off their VA home loan early, there's no prepayment um, penalty. It's a benefit that one has earned in service to their nation. So if one is in the home buying process and you're please mention to the lender that you're a veteran um, or a service member. And by saying that, the lender should consider the VA home loan program as an option for for the veteran. So just in case they're trying to take you in another direction, you know, just ask the lender, hey, I served. Um, Am I eligible for this benefit? Let's explore that before we go in another direction because it's absolutely an awesome benefit. I've used it multiple times, and um, I am very grateful.
0: What is your current mission? What's your current drive? What's what's your current focus in the the Center of Faith?
4: So, Tanner, my current focus right now is to reach as many veterans as I can. You know, we have 20 million veterans in the United States uh, and I want to reach as many as I can through the faith-based nonprofit and community organizations, linking them to all the services that the VA has. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing I would say is that uh, based on the 20 veterans we have per day taking their lives, uh, that's uh, an astronomical uh, number. And Absolutely. I think that uh, we can make a difference when we work together at the federal, state, and local level. Uh, And I think that it's uh, all hands on deck. And so I'm working with Dr. Keita Franklin, who's the uh, suicide prevention uh, executive director for the VA uh, on how we can uh, roll out uh, initiatives. And the president signed uh, recently, March 5th, an executive order uh, roadmap, uh, which uh, instituted a task force uh, and uh, Secretary Wilkie is the co-chair and he's assigned Miss Wendy Laxco from the uh, Suicide Prevention Office to uh, to be the executive director to head that up. Uh, and we're working with her so that we can work together to ensure that we uh, meet the needs of our veterans and their families to to eliminate suicide. Uh, because it's uh, it's something that's preventable, uh, you know, and I think when we work together at every level, uh, we have a shot at, uh, at at diminishing it. Got you. So that's
0: uh, so that's your mission. What are some of the things your office is doing to achieve that
4: mission so a couple of things as i mentioned we we're, we're part of not so much the task force we're working with uh the roadmap that the president signed the executive order uh we're also on the consortium uh that dr keita franklin has which uh, has a bunch of uh offices and centers to work together to eliminate suicide uh, we have numerous events throughout the entire year uh which we uh actually uh, coordinated suicide prevention training coordinator uh uh, with uh, VHA at every event that we have to bring awareness to suicide prevention so that clergy are being trained nationwide as well. Uh, so we just doing a number of things to to help with the suicide homelessness and various uh, issues and just make sure that our veterans and their family and beneficiaries know that uh, the VA, the second largest federal agency has mm-hmm. something for you that can change your life and help you.
0: what are some of the things what are some of the things that your office is doing to, for that outreach? How are you able to connect to that clergy? What are some of the things that uh, your office is doing? Yeah,
4: so as I mentioned, part of the the, the connection or the relationship uh, with that clergy is first is, uh, here in the Center for Faith, things are relational. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means that uh, you know people want to hear, touch, and feel you. Uh, being in ministry uh, outside of the government, I understand that. Uh, so that when I speak to pastors and clergy, uh, I make it my business to listen uh, because they are in the service business. And oh, by the way, so is the VA, right? So there's a connection there. Gotcha. Uh, and then we, uh, we, we ask and uh, uh, really uh, 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 accept uh, their receptiveness to have uh, the suicide prevention training uh, for them so that they can understand uh, the different steps that, uh, that go into a veteran uh, contemplating taking their own life. Some of the signs. That's right. Signs and, and all that, absolutely, and what to do. And so uh, that's the second thing. The third thing is I want to make sure that when we connect to the clergy that they know they have a place to go. Uh, where's their local VA medical center? We want to be able to help them connect uh, with that VA medical center or CBOC uh, so that they are uh, well informed of all the uh, uh, resources for them to help that veteran and their family.
0: We know from your previous episode, and if you haven't listened to it, uh, take a listen, that the mission of the of the assistive tech program is to improve the functional lives of disabled veterans. You know, as much as I want to feel like Professor X sometimes and just look at a, a light bulb switch or a light switch and just want to turn it on, I don't really need it. You right, know? Um, exactly. But, But it's almost like you guys kind of create almost a Professor X world for some of these veterans, which is kind of cool, actually.
5: (laughs) Absolutely. And they'll they'll tell you that. And really, yeah, what's nice about it is that things are now available over the counter. So. Ten years ago, um, what would suffice for, let's just say, and I'm not showing any preference here, the Amazon Echo uh, yeah. in the peripherals that it controls. We had dedicated devices that would do that, but they cost $25,000. That's huge. And that's what we were routinely purchasing for our veterans because that was all that was on the market for them. It controlled their hospital bed, their television, their lights. They could sync a telephone with it. Um, They could call 911 with it. It could talk for some of our veterans that need communication devices. So that was what we knew. But then... When Amazon came out and Google Home, (laughs) I mean, we can provide the exact same thing for under $1,000.
0: You know, in the previous episode, you mentioned Steve Gleason doing a hackathon at Microsoft. It makes me wonder if that hackathon and others like it and and veterans needing these capabilities help push that technology forward from a consumer
3: standpoint.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. I have to say that... um, I would probably say about six or seven years ago when the, uh, when Amazon first came out with their voice assistant that one of our nonprofit organizations was donating some of them to our active duty members. And actually. Uh, Amazon came down here and they had a whole, they have a whole section of their company dedicated to accessibility. And they worked with us very closely on what our patients needed. What, how did they want to use these devices? And even as far as they had a whole section on hiring the disabled bet. So, I was pretty impressed with that because before this, um, you know, like Microsoft and Apple, I mean, accessibility was an afterthought. We're such a small part of the market share. Right. Yeah. But yeah. now everything is becoming more and more accessible for people with special needs that, you know, can't touch a telephone. Well, how are we going to operate it? We need to use our voice or our eyes or our head. So it is becoming more mainstream and being able to use these devices that we can get over the counter has been a huge saving for the VA, and exactly. they work very well. I mean, I, I we've probably have placed here at Tampa over 150 homes, veteran homes, with uh, the Amazon voice assistant for lights, um, smart locks for controlling whatever they have in their environment. So, what what new technology is coming out?
0: Uh, that helps you with this mission. I I know uh, when I went to Richmond, they were doing 3D printing, a lot of 3D printing.
3: Ah,
5: I love Richmond for their 3D printing. We work with them a lot on, we work up prototypes here and we'll send it up to them to be printed. So, I think 3D printing is the next way for very customized equipment. We have a veteran here at the hospital who is, is in a wheelchair. He's paralyzed uh, from the neck down and he has some movement in his hands, but he is a runner for our pharmacy. So he takes the drugs all over the hospital. And oh, wow. the one thing he couldn't do was press the elevator button. He didn't have the range in his arms to touch it. So, um, one of the occupational therapists here developed a stick, pretty much, to hit the button, but she was using material that you would use for splints. It was heavy. It was breaking off all the time. But we were just trying to adapt from what we have. And we sent it up to Brian Burkhardt in Richmond, the rehab engineer. He made it out of um, carbon fiber, lightweight, put a lightweight aluminum pole on it. It. This guy's used it probably over a year and a half now with no problems. No problems <laughs> to his skin. No, pro- it doesn't break down. And you see him all around the hospital using it to go up and down the elevators. We also uh, came up with a drive control for a wheelchair that is. It looks like a U, and it hooks onto the wheelchair where a patient all they have to do is have finger control. One finger control, and they're able to drive their wheelchair. And we sent that up to Richmond and they printed that for us. And right now we're working they on- the con-
0: They printed the control?
5: Yeah. And we just oh. put it right on the wheelchair. Yes.
6: Well, I was uh, banged up a little bit in Iraq. So, uh, after I came back from my, uh, my deployment, was in the medical hold unit for, uh, for quite some time. And I uh, was just medically discharged after that.
0: Gotcha. And how did you find your way to the current position that you have now as the, and let me know if I get this right, the Chief Readjustment Counseling Officer for the VA's Veteran Health Administration? Yeah, absolutely. It's a long title. It's it a, long, title. a long title. What's it yeah. mean?
6: Uh, I oversee uh, the operations policy and oversight of the 300 vet centers, the 80 mobile vet centers. We also have a vet center call center yeah, and yeah. all of the staff in the organization. Right now, we have about 2,200 employees across the country.
0: Wow. What are some other, you know, we don't have to name names. What are some other stories that you know where a vet center has helped a veteran?
6: We were talking the other day, um, Mobile, Alabama vet center.
0: Hmm.
6: Veteran is, um, veteran meets uh, one of our outreach workers in the parking lot, or not, excuse me, one of the veterans meet our outreach workers at an outreach event. Fast forward a couple of weeks, they come to the vet center looking for that outreach worker. Outreach worker's not there, they leave. We go, you you know, we're asking them, do you want to talk to a counselor? No, no, we don't want to do that. He goes out to the parking lot and actually opens up a Facebook Live uh, video or, or connection and starts saying things like, I'm going to hurt myself. The wife sees it, immediately contacts us, and we're able then to get together, get with the police, find where this individual is. The counselor goes to the hospital. Because uh, they they eventually not the medic, VA medical center, but the the veteran immediately or gets to the hospital, a community hospital. We take the spouse to the hospital. We're connecting with that individual. We're making sure their needs are getting met there, and then working on follow up and those kind of things. And I think that speaks to what Vet Center is all about, and that is going above and beyond to meet that individual need, whatever that is. And it's that it was a a complete team effort at that local vet center, you know, they very well could have said once the uh, once the police got involved. All right. We Hands now off. made the handoff. Yeah. But they took it that extra level to make sure that the family was OK, because that was a very stressful situation.
0: All right, Mike, what's your pitch?
6: I'm a veteran hearing this for the first time. You're out. What's next? So you get out of the military. Where, where are we going? What can we do that centers, what can we do to be helpful for you? Where do you want to go next? How can we make and help bridge those gaps? Or 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 wherever, take it wherever that you're interested in going to. You know, it's not just about coming in a, to a counselor and talking about the war. It's help, how can we put you in the driver's seat of wherever you want to go? That might mean at some point talking about war. We don't have to talk about that. Maybe it's helping your family you know, your spouse or something like that. But it's, what can we do for you?
3: Uh, two two main goals, uh, implement a better process for veterans uh, based on a change in law. And two, working our way through all the, what we call the legacy appeals that are, are still pending in, in VA. And that's the narrow two objectives that we had.
0: So, Let's go into each lane, if you, will, if you will. So, the first lane, it talked about the higher lane review. Um,
3: talk to me a little bit about that. So, this kind of goes back to the, the whole design of the, the new process. Uh, if you go back to about what do veterans really need when they get a decision? So, you got a decision on your benefit claim. What do you need when you get that decision as far as a review if you disagree with it? And because veterans have different needs at that point in time, Uh, that was the problem with the the old process, the legacy process. Everybody had to jump into one lane. Uh, Everybody went into the same system and it bogged down. So, um, what we did is we essentially pulled the the old process apart and put it back together in a way that kind of made sense for veterans, where they had more options, they could kind of tailor the review to what they needed for their claim. So, basically, three options, as you said. You asked about the higher-level review some veterans get a decision and they just want a more experienced adjudicator, a claims processor in VBA yeah. to take a look at, at their claim based on exactly the same evidence and see if they can make a different decision or they can identify an error that would cause us to do some more work on it. And the idea is this hap- has to happen timely. Yeah. In the old process, resolutions were taken three to seven years on average. Yeah. Uh, here the instruction is you get this thing, you have to work it within a specific amount of time, you have to look at exactly the same evidence, and uh, right now we're doing those in about 30 days on average. Oh,
0: wow. Because I, mean, I saw in the video it was like 125 days was the, was, the, goal. was the goal.
3: Yeah, our goal is 125 days for both the supplemental claim lane and the higher level review lane. Uh, because we're basically six or seven months into the process, the workload hasn't Built all the way up yet? Yeah, but we're doing them. in an average of Yeah, we're doing them average of thirty days now, which is outstanding.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, so I guess the biggest difference between the higher claim and the supplemental claim, from what I saw, was evidence. Yes, you can add evidence into one. You can't add evidence into into another. Exactly. Okay. And,
3: and here's the problem: uh, the old process, you could add evidence at any time. Yeah throughout the entire appeal process that means when it's at VBA or if you go to the Board of Veterans Appeals or it comes back to VBA from a remand from the board you can always add more evidence the record was open and as you can imagine that type of system when you have more than a million claims a year that you're deciding and and you have people that are disagreeing with decisions it just bogged down yeah so in the new process what we did is we said well um we're not going to take anything away from veterans, but if you want more, what we we have a duty to assist the veteran in developing their claim. That's a statutory duty that we have. If that's what you want, and you want that open record to add evidence, you go to one place in the process, and that's the supplemental claim line.
0: Okay. Dave, is there anything that I haven't asked um, that you think it's important to share for our listeners, or anything that I missed?
3: Uh, I think you've been pretty thorough. Um, I would just say that... Uh, this is a huge law. I mean, it was a really big change for VA and for veterans, a great thing. Um, you know, we haven't had a chance to really talk about, you know, what's exceptional about this. But I think it's a really great example of what good government looks like, to be honest with you. it's uh, We knew we had a problem. We went public with it. We, we got all of our stakeholders together and and together came up with a solution. Uh, it moved through the Congress fairly quickly uh, and was passed unanimously. We implemented it on time, uh, and it's working. So, I mean, it's just a great example of, I think, how government should, should work. Uh, having said that, though, uh, we also committed that we would fix something if we see it's not working right. And so, I wouldn't say this is the end state. This is something where we are going to see things that we need to fix as we go, and we've committed that yeah. We would we would fix it and make sure it's working the way we want it to.
0: A quarter of veterans are being diagnosed with diabetes. Um, yeah. That's that's an that's an amazing number. Is is it type one, type two, a mixture? Um,
7: so, so I think it's not a quarter of people with that are veterans have the diagnosis of diabetes, but rather twenty five percent of veterans that receive care within the VA. Have the diagnosis of diabetes.
0: Got you, got you.
7: So many veterans, you know, receive their care in the private sector, but those that receive their care within the VA,
0: a quarter or twenty
7: five percent of them have the diagnosis of diabetes. Uh,
0: I mean, any way you slice it, that's an amazing number. In your blog, you talk about this is my drill. What, what's your drill? What type of education is necessary with for those with diabetes?
7: Yeah, we we do have. Um, a diabetes self management education and support program. And this is actually a program in which really individuals are are given eight very specific educational topics.
0: And any veteran um, in the VA system can can ask for this.
7: Yes. Okay. So it's a you know there's a diabetes overview there's diabetes and monitoring, diabetes and shared decision making, diabetes and medication, diabetes and physical activity, diabetes and complications. And all of these are, are important topics for veterans to at least have an understanding of. Uh-huh. From the access standpoint, we're actually um In the process of building a virtual medical center, both the VA and the Department of Defense, which will allow patients access to the materials 24-7, 365 days of the year so that they can do their own self-learning, giving patients the ability to access and learn on their own um, is going to be important because that's, that's gonna, I believe that's going to be our future.
3: I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin Golf. Logistics, Ramstein.
5: Medic, Kandahar.
0: As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Hope you enjoyed all those sound bites. If you're interested in hearing more from those episodes, they are episodes 150, 154, 160, 164, 169, and 175. We will continue to try and keep those on the episodes that end in zero and five, but sometimes we make an exception due to the, maybe an interview that honors a famous battle that runs parallel to that certain week. However, the next benefits breakdown will be episode 180 next week, and it will be the second part of the VA's new appeals modernization program. Only this time we're going to focus on that third lane, the border of Veterans Appeals. So stay tuned for next week's episode. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is Air Force Veteran John Pagini. John Pagini left his home in Philadelphia in 1962 to join the Air Force as a mail clerk. After watching two pararescue airmen in black hats walk down the street at Orlando Air Force Base in Florida, he decided to try out for the demanding career field in 1965. After graduating from the pararescue training course in November of 1966, He was soon deployed to Vietnam. Baghini's expertise in Southeast Asia that led to his technical advisor role in movies stems from his first deployment during Vietnam. Then an airman second class, Baghini earned a silver star for a mission on July 2nd and 3rd of 1967 near the Ho Chi Minh Trail. On the first attempt on July 2nd to rescue a downed pilot, Begini and the helicopter crew served as the Low Bird on a two-flight mission, responsible for rescuing the pilot. The High Bird provided air cover for the mission, and the North Vietnamese deployed fighters and fired 57mm and 37mm surface-to-air missiles, forcing the crew to turn back that night. Despite the enemy knowing the downed pilot's location, the team returned on July 3rd. The High Bird developed problems and returned to the base. With no, care, with no air cover... The crew faced the same fighters and firepower as the day before. Despite the risk, Pagini provided cover fire and hovered over the downed pilot's position until safely recovering him. Pagini later received a distinguished flying cross during Vietnam for his role in rescuing two pilots during heavy fire. He also received an Airman's Medal for heroism involving a voluntary risk of life on July, on July 12, 1979 at Zaragoza, Spain. Begini disregarded his own safety in a life-saving rescue mission during a fire at the Hotel Corona de Argon. Even though injured, he made numerous attempts to rescue people from the burning building. Begini retired on November 1, 1983, but came back onto active duty in January of 1984 to serve as the first pararescue superintendent for the 24th Special Tactics Squadron. He established the search and rescue mission and pararescue roles to support Joint Special Operations Command operations. Baghini retired from the Air Force again in 1987 as a senior master sergeant and later served as a medical executive. He now serves as the vice president of the Pararescue Association and runs a horse farm with his wife, Sue. Thank you for your service, John. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov, include a short write up and let us know why you would like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app known to phone, computer, tablet or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Rally Point, DEPT VET Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media. You can always find us with that blue check mark. And as the other episodes from 2020, we have some new outro music. Every week Born the Battle will go out with something a veteran artist made. Something. Could be a song, could be poetry something made by veterans. If you're a veteran and would like to submit your music or your art to the show, hit us up at podcast at va.gov. What you're hearing now is the song Loyalty made by veterans Dre Benji, B-Y-G, and King Moe off the Ninja Punch music album Sounds Like Freedom, Volume 1. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care. People that's
8: looking up to me said I can do it on my own, but we got loyalty, loyalty. said we got loyalty, I love L O Y A L T Y, though. I came from a selfish block. You know I got your back, no scoliosis. I be your extra spine. Warm up like 12 o'clock. I'm holding court, so help me God. Heavy is the head that wear the crown on me, he who heaven dropped. Shook the earth, made feathers flop. Fly to the mother effer. Yeah, youngest, so smooth like buttermilk. Couldn't do it myself, my brother's help me. B Y G on side of me. D R E on side of me. We blowing up our enemies better. I'll step in on IED. Success was playing hide and seek. I found a lane. I Riding peace, they murdered on Audubon since them and served in 93. Uh, I was serving Petrograd, and I went to serve for U.S. of A. Police had tied my hands behind my back, They're are like rest it was a man parade but I was in them projects. From B to U to 4, battle rattle, it's a process. My brothers got my 6 and 12, my sisters got my 3 and 9 when rain on dirt, i never
5: leave
8: this side. See, I went, went through the mud with mine From that corner to the morning line I held it down, now you can't question mine There's loyalty in darkest times They when I start to glow, we all gon' shine I stay 100 since i passed pass the line See, I can do it on my own But we got loyalty And I got too many people that's looking up to me Said I can do it on my own But we got loyalty yeah. Say we got
5: loyalty